Hey guys and welcome back to It's Your Life and this is Mind the Podcast with your host Charlotte Emily Price. So today we have our special guest Shannon, also known as Unraveling Felicity on Instagram, who is going to be talking about her life as an education practitioner for young kids, individuals, working in schools, how mental health teaching has changed in schools from now to versus when we were at school and a little bit about ADHD and dyslexia so I hope you're excited to tune into this one I really loved having this conversation with Shannon here's a little bit about her yeah I'm Shannon I'm 26 I don't look it but I am I am a education mental health practitioner um so I work with like children and young people in schools um and kind of like support them with their mental health I also run an Instagram page that kind of goes along with that um but I've been doing that before I was in this role so I kind of started it like during Covid as a way to kind of help people kind of look after their mental health. Guess what I want to kind of talk your ear off of um, is basically like you know mental health, teaching that in schools, a little bit about like my dyslexia and my ADHD as well. Yeah I'm really excited to talk about everything and thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this because I know I mean for yourself you're clearly wanting to break those taboos still with mental health so I think that won't be too difficult for you, you're probably very open with speaking about it um, and I really appreciate that uh, because I feel like it's still something that a lot of families don't really discuss especially like in the older generations I still find mental health is a little bit of a touchy subject but that's probably because they're un- a lot of them are um like I can notice it in my family like growing up we never really spoke about mental health but as we've got older and me openly speaking about mine my family definitely are trying to and I think they're trying to like unlearn those thoughts and feelings that they've been passed down through the generations so yeah hopefully this conversation will help within the movement I guess of mental health and speaking about it openly but yeah what what sort of made you want to go down this route is it because of something that you experienced or just wanted to help people out um kind of a bit of both actually growing up my mum I think she was diagnosed with bipolar so that was obviously in my life from like day dot really um and I kind of like saw how she was like treated and kind of the stigma and then like having a child as well like that was kind of like frowned upon you know having a mental illness and having a child like you know she would get like you know how can you cope like with a child and you know she had to come off her meds when she was pregnant and that was really tough and then kind of also my experience at school you know she was like a single mother and there was a lot of stigma about that so Um, I was kind of like labelled as, you know, that kid with just a mum. And like people treated me like really differently. Like I was just like a stranger in a school and, you know, it was like people were scared to talk to me. Um, And I kind of had that growing up. I felt ashamed that, and it was horrible that I felt ashamed that that my mum had a mental health disorder. And like I didn't want to tell anyone. I was like really scared that people wouldn't want to be my friend which is really silly to think of now but actually looking back like even now in the media there's like huge stereotypes about mental health disorders like even now and yeah I think my mental health definitely wasn't at its best at school like my school period or like school life like I don't really remember much of it I kind of like remember the negative parts or have kind of like wiped it out but yeah that was kind of just like a a speed run 
of why I wanted to do what I do. I think I just wanted to give like kids that person to like talk to when things get difficult. Sure and like the fact that you said that all these kids were almost scared to speak to you about it um is is why you need we need people like you doing what you do so that they're not scared to talk of other people who experience mental illness within their close family circle like it's so normal and even me growing up like I have so many relatives that suffer with different mental health issues schizophrenia bipolar you know all of these things I now learn as an adult and I'm like oh if I'd have had that bit of knowledge I'd have been able to again probably speak to these people with a bit more confidence because you are you are because you just don't know you know like that's why we're frightened because we don't know enough about these subjects and that's why we hold back and don't talk about them you mentioned as well that it would be nice to talk about how mental health differs in schools from like when we were young what would you say is the main difference that you've noticed since teaching and like what you I guess share with these young individuals that you didn't receive when you were at school um I think just um like people just talking about things and saying actually I'm not okay um and I feel like schools are you know they're not there yet but the schools that I'm in um they really advocate for that so like if someone comes to them and they feel anxious they say well you know there's we have a mental health support team in our school and if you just want to have a chat with them you can just have a chat and I think it's like more accepted now whereas when I was at school there was like a counsellor that you never saw and people would be like oh my gosh like they've gone to see the counsellor and it would be like the gossip of the school and you would feel like you know I'm obviously I was a kid once so I would be like oh my god like that's so bad and I just think that like kids don't really understand well they didn't really understand then like actually that person's not okay like that's why they're seeing the counsellor like you don't have to be so hush hush about things and yeah so I think that's kind of like the the main thing and like staff actually want to learn about how to help people and like help their students and like their own well-being because we actually help staff with like how to look after themselves because teaching's a stressful job and I I wouldn't want to do it you know yeah absolutely it's a lot of pressure when I think you realize that when you grow up like whatever you're teaching kids they retain it like it's like the most important years where they're like you know processing all that information and like you could say one thing wrong just seeing like family members have kids now I'm like oh my god they're so much into having a child that you don't even realize I definitely agree with that and I'm kind of proud of schools and like how far they've come since then um and I, I do like praise them and say, you know, what you're doing is good. Like we need like more people being really supportive and like actually saying it's okay if you're not doing well. Yeah, and I think it is almost those words of encouragement that the teachers need as well because they're such a um like people like me, for example, like I always talk about how bad my experiences were at school in terms of mental health. And that's almost adding like another pressure as well. One of my questions was actually like, do you can you see that progress? and that movement in the right direction I mean from what you've said already it seems like there is a a push you know I think there is definitely a push you know as much as I'm probably gonna like be repeating this but the government you know they've actually done a good thing of 
putting like people into schools and like having mental health as like you know a priority but I've like I still feel like there should be more certainty with that because even us going into schools were like are we still going to be here in five years um or are they going to like merge us again or like change the system and I think what kids need is stability and they need to like have that presence in school and like that integration of mental health because I actually do feel like part a part of the school you know even though I'm not staff like the staff members treat me as they would anyone else um and I think you kind of need that in a school to like run it do you talk to kids on a regular basis because I feel like something that I noticed when I was at school is that I would we'd maybe talk about mental health once a year if that I don't even know if I can remember actually a conversation or feeling normal when we spoke about that stuff so yeah I, I wanted to know if it's more regular or put into place a little a little more than it used like to be we do talk to kids on a regular basis and we're kind of like really transparent with them so if they come to us and they refer in we say you know we're going to see you for six to eight sessions you might need a little bit more but we won't like just drop you and then be like see you later like fend for yourself sort of thing um and we also work with the school so at different points of the year there's different like topics that come up so like mental health awareness week like sleep week exam stress is a big one and so we do like workshops for parents teachers and students that are kind of catered to what's going on then so um they get kind of a lot of support or information to kind of help them through that so yeah we have like a mental health calendar with the school and we kind of work in what they want and what we think they need it's nice that you sort of offer that as well like the exam stress for example you know like some kids might not be going through something a little bit more challenging at home like with a family member with a mental health issue um, or condition or themselves like it might just simply be exam stress which is still su- super valid to go and get help for um, which is nice to know because I don't think that was offered when I was back at school and yeah it's not it's nice to know that there are things out there to make it f- seem less out of the ordinary to go and get help you know like you said when I was at school if anyone was going to see the counsellor it would be the talk of the the school but by making it more accessible and talking about it more it makes it seem more normal to go and speak to people and communicate when you're feeling down yeah definitely yeah and yeah I think sometimes I'm just like oh I wish I had that at school that would have been really helpful if I had that um and it does yeah make me think a lot about my school and how like mental health just wasn't a thing really I guess it almost gives you inspiration as well of like what you want to put forward or discuss with other like people in power when it comes to like talking to kids like you know thinking back like oh maybe it would have been helpful if I spoke about this more or if we asked the kids how they're feeling in general more you know like questionnaires and things might actually or surveys that kids take you know like more regularly maybe on, on a monthly basis like how are they feeling in different areas of their schooling life and at home you know it actually might be really helpful yeah yeah definitely and we do actually have like educational psychologists that work within our service and they do like audits so kind of like um you know how we're helping the school or like what the needs are um, and they just come in and like help them with like policies in school like behavior policies and like helping them change and like making it like a more of a priority so it's really nice to kind of have that 
you know with your Instagram like you use that as a platform as well to spread awareness for mental health is that more aimed at adults teens adults rather than kids or would you say it's like aimed for anyone to sort of I feel like it's pretty much like anyone obviously I'm used to working for like children and young people and like people up to like 18 um so it's kind of really varied um but I've actually had colleagues and like friends come up to me and be like you know that visual you did was like really good and I like use it or um like I've used it with young people or like you're really good at this and I'm just like yeah because I I like visual things like that's how I take things in and obviously on social media it's all visual like people don't really have that much of a attention span to read like blocks of text so I kind of like yeah just appeal it to really pretty much anyone really you know I was gonna say it's amazing because I was looking through it and I was like oh this is so helpful I, f- I felt personally to anyone of all ages you know it's very um yeah like accessible to to a lot of people and I particularly liked your the circle of control because that's something I talk a lot about in my own therapy and like control and what I things that I worry about and I get anxious about are usually things out of my control and it's trying to like unlearn um those anxieties and feelings that I pent up because I have no I can't change them so I don't need to worry about them so yeah I really like that visual so defo go check that out um I'll leave your Instagram in the podcast description so people can go check it out but yeah would you be able to talk us through that circle of control for those that haven't seen it yet yeah so um basically there's this like visual and I kind of made my own but um there's like kind of two types of like worries we call them um because like worrying is a behavior and something you do um and it's yeah there's like two types of worries so there's like things that are in your control and that you can like practically solve in that moment and then there's worries that are out of your control that you you can't do anything about because they might be about like future scenarios or things that you imagine might happen um and so you obviously can't practically solve them because there's nothing you can do about them so you kind of have to like learn to let them go so we kind of use this in our service with young people but we imagine that the worry is like a balloon and you kind of like blow it up you're blowing up that worry and then you're gonna let it go um and just like let it float away um and obviously that's that's easier said than done you know <laughs> you can't just you think oh i can't just let a worry go um but it, it takes a lot of time like and this is like someone speaking from experience who was a chronic worrier you know <laughs> every possible situation you know I would have a thing that I thought was going to happen but there are things that you can do um to let things go it doesn't have to be like mindfulness it could be something you really enjoy doing like eating at a chocolate bar if you wanted or talking to a friend or like playing that game you really like they don't like to use the word distraction but I think it is kind of distracting your mind from that thing so then you're able to kind of let it go but I think that's just like a nice visual and it kind of has like really nice examples of things like you can't you can't control the weather as much as we like to control we would like to you know the bus times because that was something that I would worry about quite a lot being late and that's something you can't control even if you were to leave like two hours early and something was to happen you can't control if the trains are on strike or you know it's delayed like you just can't yeah exactly (laughs) I think the way that you did that was just amazing and it like really it was like simplified but also explained everything all in one image and I was just like I love that I want to bring it up and I want people to see that um I don't know if that's just personally because I am such a worrier in that 
have severe anxiety at times so yeah I just I really like that so thank you very much for sharing and making that is there any activities or practices sort of like maybe even similar visuals or something that you feel like always get a good response so there is another one that I did about like exposure so like when you have like a phobia or something like dogs or um I don't know what there are other phobias of yeah I feel like dogs is kind of the main one I can think of but um what people tend to do is they kind of avoid that situation so they go no if I just avoid it then it's never going to happen again and my anxiety is just going to be absolutely fine but then you know it gets worse and you get stuck in this cycle and I have like these two graphs that shows you know what people think is going to happen to anxiety so they think that it's just going to go up and up and up and up and up and actually that's not what happens you know it's it gets to a certain point and the more times you expose yourself to this fear you know the easier it becomes you kind of have to sit with that anxiety it will get better it will pass so we do this thing called gradient exposure where the person um like makes a goal of what they they want to do and they do like little steps to get there and they rate them out of 10 of how difficult they might be and that visual is really good it makes them think about okay so what was something that you you were scared to do but you did it so it's like riding a bike or going swimming or things like that and you have to like get them to think about that and that it just shows you that you know your anxiety is going to come down it, it always comes down you know <laughs> I'm trying to think of like some of my fears now like I've always been really scared of snakes which seems stupid because I don't really encounter snakes on a daily basis or anything but I've always had that phobia but I've always said to myself like as I've grown up like I actually kind of want to like touch one or like have one you know how people have them around their neck just to just to get rid of the fear of like they're absolutely fine like as long as it's not something super dangerous or like the I feel like I am scared of the dark still at times if I'm on my own so like unlearning that and getting over that is something that I kind of want to conquer and I think it's almost embarrassment that you feel I think as I've got gotten older I'm like why am I still scared of the dark like I, there's not really any valid reason but there probably is somewhere down the line that's made me scared of the dark yeah I think a lot sometimes it's embarrassment that holds people back from exposing themselves or even talking about their fears to people it is yeah for sure and I think sometimes like people come to me and they say oh I feel really silly I'm at and then I'm like actually that's not silly like that's something that you're you know you're clearly scared of and there must be a reason so you kind of have to unlearn everything you thought was true in a way yeah for sure and, and that is like so hard I think when you've like taught yourself some that you're scared of something when you're a kid because it just like stays with you for a really long period of time do you want to have a little discussion about your ADHD and dyslexia and your diagnosis journey with that I I got diagnosed with dyslexia in my I think it was my first year of uni um and I kind of had suspicions that I had something I didn't know what it was but I always kind of felt like off or like something was wrong um because all of my time at school I would like try my hardest and I would still come out with like barely a pass and my teachers would be like like what is going on like we know you're capable you know and I was like I don't know I think when I also went to college one of my teachers said oh you haven't proofread your work and I went I have and they went no you're lying and I went I'm not lying I promise like I've literally read this like 
10 times and I I just don't see the mistakes. I, I went through school, didn't do so well in my GCSEs, I did okay at some of them. Then I went to college, I reset my GCSEs, I did like a forensic science course um, and then I was like no I don't want to do that, I'm going to do A-levels. So I did that, breezed through that and then yeah I think it hit me at uni, I was like wow. I was like this is difficult because you have to like learn so much and it's just more complex and there's more pressure and I think I just got to the point where I just broke down and I was like I can't do this and I think at that time like other things were going on it was just a bit overwhelming you know I'd left home for the first time and I was like in a new town and I was just like I don't know what's happening what I did is I looked, I did the classic google I can't spell you know, I'm forgetful, and it would like come up with dyslexia, and I'd be like, hmm, yeah, maybe I do have that, but I kind of like talked myself out of it and was like, I don't have that, I'm being silly, and it was like imposter syndrome, but luckily one of my, my friends at uni had dyslexia, and I was like talking to them, and I said, you know, I'm really struggling with this, I was like, you know, I know you have it too, like, what did you notice and they that kind of helped they were like Shannon if you think that you've got it like go to the uni like ask for help and I did and I got screened and they were like yeah you can get assessed for it and then when that happened and I had the assessment I just like burst into tears like the educational psychologist was like yeah you definitely have it it's obvious like I'm gonna write the report but it's like you have it and I was like are you sure like <laughs> you're not like having me on are you um but I think it was like just like a a relief to know what was going on like all those years like teachers saying that I was lazy or trying hard enough and I was like actually there was a reason for that um and then after that I got so much help I got extra time in exams I got a computer I was like yes now my hands aren't gonna hurt because I always struggled with exams you know I would run out of time or I'd just stare at the paper and be like I don't know I don't want to do this so that really helped and then it helped me get through uni I went to uni again <laughs> that I said I would never do again even though I had support I was still struggling um, I couldn't keep my attention or I couldn't sit down for that long um, I couldn't regulate my emotions I was like I was basically in tears and like not in a good place for a whole year and I did kind of do some more research and ADHD came up and I was like hmm I was like maybe I saw how long the waiting times were and how you know if you want to get diagnosed you can only get medication and there's not that much support and I was like is it worth it so I kind of left it it was last year or the beginning of this year I was having supervision and my supervisor said to me Shannon do you do you think you have ADHD and I went why um and she said oh well I'm on the waiting list to get diagnosed and you kind of have similar kind of things that I do um and I was like I was like oh okay that's that's interesting yeah maybe and she like encouraged me to like go to the doctors and like be put on the waiting list um so I did that but again it was the same with the dyslexia I, I was like I don't have it I'm being silly I was like I couldn't possibly have it like there's probably I don't really 
thought I, I did think I presented that well, but then I realised I was probably masking because um, I'd learned how to be a certain way and like being fidgety and like acting out just wasn't approved of. So yeah, I did that, but I went through this thing called right to choose, basically kind of speeds up the waiting list. And um, because I think in my area, it's like two or three years to even get assessed. Um, but through this, it was like six months, but I think it's gone up quite a lot just because a lot of people have been talking about it on TikTok. So obviously a few of them have like closed their waiting lists and it's a bit like, yeah, there's been like a, a really um, high influx of it. Yeah, I've been on the waiting list for a, a few months and I should hear back in November. But yeah, I think the more I speak about it with people, the more I'm like, actually, I think I do have ADHD as well, pretty much. Um, so that's kind of like it in a nutshell, really. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And especially with your dyslexia story as well, first, when you were saying that you talk, talking to a friend about it helps, like this is a great piece of advice. I feel like if anyone's listening and they're like, unsure about symptoms or know someone that has a condition that maybe they feel like they have to reaching out and talking to people about it I think you it might be scary to do at first but I think you really underestimate how much that person probably wants to talk about what they're going through as well and you'll really connect over it which I feel like yeah exactly your story that that's what happened right like you were able to talk about it and then it pushed you to go and seek help at the doctors and I mean I don't even blame you for your like having that emotional response and crying when someone's told you especially with something so big that has impacted your life probably from longer than you can remember and you know like it's almost like a therapy breakthrough or something you know when you find out something about yourself and like this makes so much sense and like you finally got to the point of it after so many years of being misdiagnosed or worse like dismissed and not even listened to and being told you're over dramatic or whatever it it, it makes sense that you have that sort of emotional release afterwards for sure yeah definitely <laughs> but you've mentioned it already actually with tiktok what what do you think about self-diagnosing on tiktok because i know a lot of people are doing it and i know i've seen both sides of it i've heard people who i know who have adhd that love that tiktok are talking about it and helping people helping people with understanding symptoms but also other people that dislike it because it's making people think they have conditions that they maybe don't yeah I mean I, I yeah I can definitely see it from both sides and I feel like I don't know where I sit because I think it is good that you know TikTok is raising awareness because I feel like you know the generation I think it's like Gen Z yeah Gen Z you know that that always on it you know it probably does help some kids understand what's going on but I think I see it quite a lot and on my feed obviously there's a lot of ADHD content because I'm always on it but I think some of the things that they mention are just normal things that happen to people so it's hard to distinguish what's a trait and what's actually the norm um, and especially nowadays like no one has like a good attention spam like you know we're lucky if we sit through like a Netflix episode or a film or something because you know we always want to do something um, and I just think that's just how we are maybe these like TikToks are good as like a stepping stone I wouldn't rely on them too heavily but I think if you are questioning whether you have ADHD or ASD or you know whatever their 
saying it's better to go to someone who knows what they're talking about so i'm not saying that these people don't know what they're talking about because some of them do have degrees or qualifications yeah yeah Yeah, degrees or qualifications they've been through it but i think um sometimes these things can get misinterpreted or like they're just always there and yeah i think tiktok has a good thing of like sucking you in and it only shows you what you want to see because TikTok knows us better than we know ourselves. So yeah, I can kind of see it from both sides, but I think because I actually work in mental health, I'm more aware of like, okay, get what they're saying, but also you need to talk to a professional if you feel that way or people that you know, like you shouldn't heavily rely on like TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like the exact same as you, like really 50-50 about it because like I mean I do this podcast to spread awareness of things like mental health and it's like oh this is great to see people talking about it openly you know like ADHD and speaking about it as if it's just a normal everyday topic which it is it's nothing to be ashamed of but then it's also like so much misinformation shared online it's not fact-checked and then also there's people probably stressing thinking do I have this do I need to go get it checked out and I think just the best solution like you said is going to speak to someone who actually does know 100% what they're talking about at a normal practice you know exactly and obviously I know that is difficult like some GPs just kind of only sit with you for like five minutes or you know they're not the best um so I think like just going somewhere where you know you're going to be listened to or like taking someone with you to like support you to do that um but yeah I could go on about GPs but that's not a time and a place yeah, <laughs> do you have any advice because I know we've both sort of discussed about female diagnosis or, or also not being taken seriously and I mean from my own experience with my menstrual health situation is there any advice you think you would give to like young girls or women out there that are trying to stick at getting help where they need to in whatever avenue they're going down like from your own experience yeah I think it is quite difficult um to kind of stick at it but I think if you know something's wrong or you're not in a good place I think you really I think one helps to have like a support network or you know someone that you can rely on or someone to like keep you pushing and like go um but sometimes you kind of have to be that person for yourself um and like be that voice in your head and be like no like you're doing this for you like just keep going like someone will listen um because it's not always easy and people don't always um like listen the first time sometimes you have to make that noise um to like be heard um and it's really horrible that you have to do that but that's kind of how it can be sometimes I would I would say something similar like there's been times where I've wanted to give up from just going over the same information again and again and then being dismissed or gaslit and being like oh you're probably not going through this or I mean even when I went and I was went to the um, GP and I was like I'm I'm pretty sure I'm depressed and I showed like all of these symptoms like to try and get help and they were like it's probably just your vision and your exams and I was like I don't think so <laughs> but okay um and then it just took a bit of persistence and that is it's just shit but you have to just keep going and 
exactly like Shannon said, like, you know your body more than anyone, you know, like, you have to keep fighting, unfortunately, and just stick with it. Exactly. And I think, um, I think also one of the reasons why I was taken seriously is because I, like, when I go to a GP appointment, I always have my lanyard on because I think it gives me, not authority, but, like, they actually say, oh, I think she knows what she's talking about. Um, So I feel like that kind of helps me. But also... I think it really does help to be like really informed and like when you go to the GP you kind of have to like present your case like you're in a courtroom and being like right so I have these symptoms and they've been happening for this long so this is what I think I have so how are you going to help me so you kind of have to tell them how to do their job and what you want from them um, and sometimes being like really directive is the only way you kind of get get stuff done really yeah i think having that written sort of diary of symptoms and stuff i think they do take that more seriously too which is what i've been trying to do as well and because they can see that you're like tracking everything you're like this this these are all the things that are going wrong with me like here you go sort of like shoving it in them their face and hoping that something happens so before we go i have a question from my previous guest that i was going to ask you and it's actually quite a nice one it's what would you tell your younger like 12 year old self if you could right now I would I would say that it's really tough now you know it's probably not going to get better at school um but try and think about all the good things that have happened um because they'll get you through and you actually you'll be all right you'll be you know you'll be successful you'll know what you want to do um you won't you won't feel lost and yeah just keep really just keep going really oh what a lovely answer thank you do you have a question that i can set for the next guest what animal would you be and also what would you go around like shouting at everyone because they can't hear you so like what would you say if no one was (laughs) could understand you (laughs) oh my god I love that so much I feel like it could go one way or the other like it could just be a fully humorous answer or it could be something like genuine you know (laughs) thank you so much and um as I said earlier as well Shannon's Instagram will be in the description as well as other mental health services free helplines and everything if you're struggling right now and need that support um and yeah thank you very much for listening to this conversation we really appreciate it and I will see you next week for a brand new episode bye